0: listening to First Church Charlotte. Amen, amen. Somebody lift your voice, put your hands together one more time. Give God a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. All right. First John chapter number if you would join me there in the scripture, we will have the scriptures on the screen uh, for your convenience. 1 John chapter number 2, and we will read at verse number 2. my privilege to bring the word of the Lord to you. I love teaching the word of the Lord and I'm delighted for our friends and guests here today. Uh, I'd love to get to know you all. We've actually prepared a place to do that. It's called First Steps and it's a small group that I teach. Right after this service, we feed you and we just have a great time of fellowship. Uh, If you don't make a place to get to know people, you don't get to know people. Have you noticed that? Just because you're friends on social media doesn't mean you know each other. (laughs) You have to make a place. And we want to make a place here in First Church. First John 2, and let's read a verse number 18. Little children, it is the last hour, and as, you, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us... They would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. Amen. I want you to say that phrase with me. You have an anointing from the Holy One. Before you're seated, find somebody, look them right in the eye, and say, You're anointed. You better believe it. I feel the presence of the Lord here right now. I feel, I really do. I, I, maybe it's just something he's doing in me, but I, I feel his presence. And I've had such a hunger in the last, over the summer, really, I've had such a hunger to host his presence in my life. And I've, I've tried to take it seriously. I've actually made some lifestyle changes. Uh, I've actually gone through all of the things that I'm letting into my mind and spirit, whether news or music or podcasts, uh, audio books, all of that. I've really, uh, I feel like sometimes, I feel like we we aren't careful enough with the, the uh, presence of God in our life. I think we, we're so spoiled to good church, and we're so spoiled to being able to get together and say hallelujah three times, that we don't really host the presence of God the way we should. And I'm hungry. I'm hungry as an individual. I'm hungry as a Christian. I'm hungry as a pastor to host the presence of God in my life. And it's not even just about, not even just about the manifestation of God. We crave that because that is how heaven is made visible here on earth, is through the manifestation of the power of God. That's the point of the miraculous is to make the kingdom of heaven visible here on earth. And I, I long for that and I know you do too and I, I love testimonies. I I love celebrating how God's intervened in our lives. I pray for the miraculous among us. I want to see I want to see the the fantastic demonstration of God's power among us. I want the testimonies. I want the I want the evidences. I want the cancer to be cast out. I I want I want disease to be banished, not just for the relief of suffering. That's good, but life is suffering. You see, the miraculous is not really... Uh, about us, we just our lives become a canvas on which God paints His power. Do you see what I'm saying? Uh, we're all mortal, so even if we were healed 97 times, eventually it's going to be our time. We're going to go on. That's what it means to be mortal um, in this life. Now, through divine resurrection, through the unction of the Holy Spirit in our life, we're going to be given eternal life. We know that. Uh, but in this life, that that's our lives just become a canvas upon which the Spirit manifests the Kingdom. Of of heaven and so as a church i don 't want simply the miraculous so we can be more spiritual than anybody that's that doesn 't really help that many people um, I, I want it as a way for God to draw a picture of the kingdom of heaven here on this world and I hunger for that and I, I so much want to see the manifestation of God uh, in our midst i I want to start by telling you all of something that uh, we've said it to each other. We, we, We mostly would agree on it, but sometimes we don't live as though we agree on it. And that's simply this. I believe in your anointing. Now that makes some of you uncomfortable. Why? Because you don't feel like you are very, you know, you're not perfect. You're not even close to perfect. You're aware of your flaws. The more aware you are of your flaws, the more you will talk yourself out of anointing in your life. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. The more you're aware of your mistakes, the more you will talk yourself out of anointing. And I believe in your anointing. As a church, this church is filled with people who are truly hungry uh, for the presence of God. I'm, I'm honored to have a, a, a team that supports my ministry. We have we have a great pastoral team here at First Church. I, I, I'm honored to have that. Uh, I I'm so thankful to be with people who crave the the spirit of the Lord in their life. Um, we have prayer opportunities every week. We, as a church, we fast. Um, we pray with passion and zeal. Uh, we, we believe together. We speak the name of Jesus uh, one to another. But beyond all of that, I want you guys individually to know that I believe that you are, you are in an elite group and your eliteness is simply this. You are anointed. Now, I, I know you want to talk yourself out of it. I know you want to talk yourself out of it, but I believe you are, you are anointed. So elbow bump your neighbor and say, I believe you are anointed. Tell them, say, I believe in your anointing. Um, part of this is what it means to be a body of Christ knit together. That's part of it. Uh, we, If we do not believe in one another and we don't have a culture of spiritual reconciliation one to another, a spiritual culture of, of preference one to another... This house won't feel like a place of spiritual freedom because you'll always wonder whether or not you should let God use you when uh, somebody over here knows something about your past. You see you see how you just threw away your confidence. Uh, in fact, the Bible in one place talks about how we can cast away our confidence. And when a church is in the business of devouring each other, thank God we're not that kind of a church, never been that kind of a church here. Um, if, if, if as a church we're in that habit, you will hide yourself under a spiritual bushel because you will always be impressed by how unworthy you are, not by how worthy he is. You will be more impressed with your unworthiness than you are with his righteousness and his his holiness and so uh, there are in the scripture and I, I want you to know I 'm starting a series today that I 'm going to do about the anointing I 'm going to do it at least two weeks I may do it a third week depending on if I get it all out of my spirit but uh, today I'm going to talk about the how of anointing next week I 'm going to talk about the why of anointing but my title today is three anointings because I want to show Show you scripturally three anointings that are in the Old Testament that translate directly to who you are in God and how you should be walking in mission. They are who you are, why you are able to then be used of God, and you will see these three anointing in scriptures because this is the truth. A church that does not feel the anointing upon it will never have motivation to get out of their little. Safety zone. You see, the most effective enemy that we have is not the powers of darkness. It's our own ability to be distracted or, in some cases, be deceived or make excuses for ourselves. Where church primarily is self serve Christianity. That is the biggest enemy we have. It's not the devil, it's the self. Because self never really goes away. Your self always needs a prayer meeting. That's why you need fresh oil every morning, because you woke up with you. I'm tried on this side of the church. The reason why you need anointing is because you woke up with you and you need to be washed and you need to have the spirit of the Lord regenerate your heart and you need to once again have your attention turned from the things of this world to the kingdom of heaven we are not just people living in America living in Charlotte you are anointed by God with a divine purpose and a divine mission and God forbid we talk ourselves out of us It wasn't hell that kept the children of Israel out of the promised land. It was the children of Israel. It wasn't the devil that kept the children of Israel out of the promised land. It was the children of Israel. I have a solution for the devil. Resist (laughs) the devil and he will flee. But now fixing your carnal hide, that's going to take some work. And so we read in this passage together, you have an anointing from the Holy One. You have to have that switch turned in your head, or you will not believe you can make a difference. You will not see the purpose for God's investment in you. I am on a mission today, and maybe next week too, and maybe the week after that, maybe the rest of my life, I am on a mission to get you to believe that you are anointed. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to show you the first anointing in scripture so you can stop using the excuses of I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not scholarly enough, I am not, insert your excuse here enough, uh, and that's why I am not doing anything for God. The first anointing of scripture, I want you to see, is the anointing that is shown to us in Leviticus chapter number fourteen, and it gives us the image of an individual who is has been unclean. They are they are. Uh, They possess in their body the disease of leprosy. And because of that, they can't come around other people because of the risk to other people. And so they are separated from the presence of the Lord. Leprosy in the scripture becomes a teaching example of sin in our hearts. And just as leprosy separates you from the people, uh, sin separates you from the presence of God. But if the leper were to overcome the disease, if for some reason their body uh, in in its health would be... made whole and it would uh, either through the processes of of healing in the body correct itself or if they were healed of God and they were able to have this miraculous testimony, they would come to the house of the Lord and there as a mark that they've been made clean, stay with me because I'm about to take away your excuses right now, as a mark as to the truth that they have been made clean, they would... Kneel before the priest and reading verse 29. And the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand. He shall put upon the head of him that is to be cleansed. Why? To make an atonement. Someone say atonement. That's a covering. That means God covered up the reality of your sin. The reality of your shame. The anointing is on you to make an atonement for him before the Lord. The first anointing you will see is the anointing that in in this this teaching here today the first anointing is this covering this spiritual atonement we dead in trespasses and sins unable to come into the presence of god have been made righteous through the blood of atonement just as the children of Israel had the death angel pass over because over the threshold of their house over the threshold of the door there was the blood of covering in like manner judgment comes into our life, and when they look at you, they don't see you, they see the blood that is righteous, they see the perfect Lamb of God. The issue is not whether you're good enough, it's whether or not Jesus is good enough. And I'm here to tell you there's no more perfect sacrifice, He was a perfect Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. More than that, he was a perfect altar upon which the lamb was slain. It is all fulfilled in him. He is a perfect high priest. And now he is before the presence of God. And what is the flesh, the divine flesh doing? uh, Interceding for us that we might stand in the presence of God. We have been made partakers of the divine nature through with Jesus Christ. The issue is not whether or not you are good enough. You are not good enough. You will never be good enough. The issue is whether or not Jesus is enough. And I'm here to tell you Jesus is enough. You say you don't know what my sins are. I say I don't care what your sins are. Jesus is enough. You say I've been bad on every continent. Jesus is enough. You say I'm a sinner from way back. Jesus Jesus is enough. All right. Sorry for crackling the sound system and making you nervous. Sometimes I yell. That's just the way it works. So uh, we see see this first anointing. It's so important because the first anointing is an anointing for your atonement, an anointing for your salvation. Um, If you struggle to believe you're saved, you'll never get beyond that. Uh, You will never be used of God for other people because you cannot believe that Jesus is enough. And when you will not allow mercy and grace to work in your life, you're not saying you're not enough. You're saying he's not enough. And it becomes an act of spiritual narcissism where you can't get your eyes off you in order to celebrate him. Is that fair? I'm not trying to be ugly. I love you. We can hug after church if you'd like. I give out free hugs. You just give me a $20 offer, and I give you three for the price of 20 And so I want you to see you must believe that you are covered, covered, covered by the blood of the Lamb. You must believe that the name of Jesus is covering you. You say, I still have some imperfections. Yeah, well, look at me. I'm on the platform. <laughs> That's not the point. The point is he is enough. Yeah. The first anointing in your life It is reflected in how we come into the presence of God and we repent of our sins. We stop being our own solution. We say, I'm sorry, I need a covering that I cannot provide. That is a beginning, that faith in God and the willingness to submit yourself. That represents a spiritual beginning. At that moment, it is as though you believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You've just started a journey in your life. You say, I got a lot of stuff to work on. Yeah, welcome to the club. Uh, You have a a lot of ways to go lots to learn. But the beginning uh, is this anointing in your life of spiritual atonement. That is the first anointing in your life. If you can believe that, then God has more for you. The second anointing in the scripture that you will see is in Exodus chapter number 40. Uh, and of course, I'm, pre- I'm presenting them to you in the order of understanding, so you'll understand what I am trying to show you biblically. And I want to show this to you. It is the, the anointing of a priest, and this is the commandment that is given uh, of how they, should, how they should prepare Aaron as a high priest before the Lord. And the first thing that he would do is he had, in the manner that Everything in the tabernacle was uh, holy unto the Lord and was not used for other things. In the same manner, he had dress. He had a he had a, a priestly attire that he would wear if he was out cutting his yard. He didn't wear that. It was holy unto the Lord. But when he was ministering in his role, that is what he would wear. Um, you, you understand it was holy unto the Lord. They did not just mix and match uh, anything and offered unto the Lord. They made it. They made it holy unto the Lord and. They say here in this passage to put on the holy garments that represented the role of the priest. And uh, they put the garments on him and they anointed him and sanctified him. The scripture says that he may minister unto me in in the priest's office. I want you to see that after you have been anointed to be... Um, anointed, shall we say, to your uh, spiritual redemption. Uh, you have been atoned. You have been covered by the atoning. That's the first anointing. You have, your sin has been covered. You are now anointed as a priest to minister unto the Lord. The, most, the first purpose of the church is to worship. Yes. Amen. To love the Lord your God with all your soul. All your heart, all your mind. It is the role of the believer to be a worshiper. You are anointed to represent uh, the kingdom of heaven, you are saved, you are covered, all of that is in salvation. The next anointing is for you to minister unto the Lord. So I want to, I want to be uh, really, really uh, honest with you and, and, and just talk about this for a moment. Uh, we are all in the habit of deciding whether or not we enjoy church. Uh, how many of you on the way home will have a, you're, no one's going to answer this because you know it's a trick trap. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm just forget that. On the way home, some of you guys will be like, man, I really enjoyed that service. Or man, we were just talking about that. Or man, oh, Pastor Nathan sure can sing. <laughs> you, 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 uh, you, you, you understand what I'm saying? You, you, we decide whether or not we enjoyed the service. I understand that. That's that's very human. The church is an experience for us. But I want to challenge you with this question. How many times on the way home do you ask yourself whether or not God enjoyed that service? You see, you're a worshiper. You are called and anointed to minister unto the Lord and the result of that is you should cultivate worship as a lifestyle. It shouldn't be difficult for you to get your mind off your troubles and on the blessings of God. You're called and anointed to be a worshiper. You are anointed to sing praises unto God all through this metro area that you uh, travel and you work in. You are anointed to speak the name of Jesus. When you're surrounded by people who don't speak the name of Jesus, you're anointed. In the middle of that place, my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. I might even preach before it's over. You say I'm the only believer at my workplace or I'm surrounded by a bunch of crazy people, etc, etc. You may be the only one, but I'm here to tell you you are anointed to be a worshiper in spite of what's going on around you. It ought to be easy for you to turn your attention heavenward and say I just want to bless you God just want to bless you today. You've been so good to me. This is why the Lord's prayer begins like this. Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed is a unique word that we don't have a good counterpart for in our modern style of speaking. We don't have a good counterpart for hallowed, but hallowed is sacred adoration. Did did you hear what I just said? It is sacred adoration. It is to, in your heart and your spirit, to see, perceive, and appreciate the beauty of the Lord. It's like the psalmist said, behold the beauty of the Lord. That, 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 That phrase that is in the scripture behold that is if we were to use that in modern terms it would be like this hey guys pay attention you need to see the beauty of the Lord it's not enough just to see what he has done Noah saw the works of the Lord Moses saw the ways of the Lord. It's not enough just to see that he created heaven and earth. It's not just enough to see the great things he has done. You need to perceive his heart. You need to perceive his ways. He is of all things most beautiful. He his love is incomparable. You need to see the beauty of the Lord because you need to celebrate the beauty of the Lord. And when someone says they don't believe in God, it shouldn't be a fight for you. It should be a sadness for you. Rather than saying, how dare you? You ought to say it. That's so sad. There's nothing more beautiful than redemption. You see what I just did there? I didn't have an argument with them. I've seen the beauty of the Lord. And I'm sad for them that they don't see the beauty of the Lord. Well, I don't believe in God. Oh, that's so sad. Redemption is the most beautiful story in the human history. I'm sad for you because it's so beautiful. Beautiful to see that our creator would let us mess it up and say, that's all right, I'll make it right. That's a beautiful story. You are called to be a worshiper. You are anointed to be a worshiper. Somebody say, I'm anointed to be a worshiper you don't have to worship like I do. You don't have, some of you might run. Some of you might jump. Some of you might just sit there and cry. It's okay. It's fine. You're anointed to be a worshiper. And I don't want our services just to be displays of how good the band is. We have a great band. I don't want our services to be displayed of how good the singers are. We have great singers here, including myself. We, we I don't want service is just to be a displays of our good preaching. We have some of the finest preaching in wide, wide America right here. (laughs) And then sometimes I preach, but I want you to see did God enjoy this service? Was my worship like a, an incense that would go heavenward? When you come to church, don't just make it so you can be saved. That's just the first anointing. You don't have much to do with that anyway. Your best isn't very good. You need to call upon the name of the Lord and let His righteousness cover you. That's God's gift in your life. Now, having seen foundations of the first anointing, let's reflect divine love back to heaven. And let's let His name be hallowed among us. We are filled with divine, sacred adoration for God. There's no one like Him. I am called to be a worshiper. I am anointed to minister to the Lord. Which leads us to the third anointing. I'm almost done. Musicians, you can come. The third anointing that you see in scripture is the anointing of the king. And so if the first of anointing is the anointing of the outcast where the leper is allowed access again to the fellowship of God's people and the house of God's presence. The second anointing is the anointing of the priest where you are placed called and empowered to minister to the Lord. The last anointing is the anointing of the king. And you can see this uh, shown to you in 1 Samuel 10 and verse number one, Samuel takes a vial of oil and he pours it upon the head of Saul and he kisses him and he says, is it not? In other words, I've anointed you. Why have you been anointed? Is Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? Saul, why are you being anointed? So you can be big time? No, you're anointed because the Lord has an inheritance here and you are to serve as a steward over that inheritance. So if the first anointing is for your salvation and the second anointing is for your worship heavenward, the third anointing, anointing is to your anointing to minister to other people. Do you see what God has done in these anointings? The first anointing is to allow you access. The second anointing is to allow you to minister vertically. The third anointing is to allow you to minister horizontally. This is shown in the life of Jesus Christ and even more, this is manifest in the image of the cross where you have the vertical and you have the horizontal. You can not say, I'm right in the vertical and have no burden, passion, longing, or anointing for the horizontal. John won't let you do that. He'll say you're deceiving yourself if you say you love God but you cannot embrace your brother. You cannot see the needs that surround you. Uh, I'm going to talk about this a little more next week, about the anointing that God has placed upon you for others. But I want you to see you are anointed. If you can believe that you are anointed, it will affect the way you walk into your your place of employment tomorrow. But if you can talk yourself out of it, you're a nobody from nowhere and you're just trying to hide and stay saved, and everybody thinks I'm weird. No, you're anointed. I've thought about some of the most powerful moments that were happened outside of a church service. As a pastor, I oftentimes have freedom to, to speak a word to somebody right when I feel it. And some of that uh, did not come to me early in my ministry uh, because I was so busy trying to uh, be a young minister that I didn't have the confidence that I needed to have to speak in a moment. But uh, one of the things about being in a pastoral role for any length of time is you get comfortable with your role and you get comfortable with uh, ministry. Ministry is your giving and offering uh, to others. What you have is what ministry is. What I do on this Sunday platform is I, if I feel follow Ephesians 4 correctly, I equip you for ministry in your world. You are the ministers at First Church. I have a role of equipping and I assist you on the Sunday uh, meetings when we have gatherings together and I, I equip you, I prepare you, but to think you are not a minister is to miss the New Testament goal and the New Testament standard because in the New Testament you are the ministers and God has anointed you for ministry and I wish that you could begin to develop your confidence as a minister in the house of God. I wish you could begin to develop your confidence to say, I would like to pray for you right now. Some of the most powerful moments that I have seen started first with me observing someone else in that role. I had the great honor uh, to grow up in a pastor's home. And of course, we're blessed to have uh, my mom and dad here uh, with us, part of our our church life here. And uh, I saw this as a young man. I I could see um, my, my father walk into troubled situations in the difficult difficult venues and hospitals where there was strife and fear and terror and, and immediately begin to speak with the, the, the certainty not just that he was a life coach in the house but that he was representing God in that moment. And some of the most powerful moments I, I've ever seen is when someone would free themselves to be God's man and free themselves to be God's woman. You see, you are not bound by the devil, you're bound by you. easy solution for the devil. You resist the devil and he. But you keep yourself and I keep myself bound. I want to give you permission to be God's man. I want to give you permission to be God's woman. You say, oh, but I'm not a scholar. I refer you to the first anointing. Jesus did not choose a single scholar to be in the twelve. He chose ordinary people because if he chose scholars, none of us would feel like we had a place. He chose ordinary people for a reason, and he freed them to see themselves as men of God. In fact, he said, I don't even want you to obsess over whether or not you know the right thing to say. I want you to believe that the words will be there when you need them. Why? Because you are God's men. I'm telling you here today, I want to free you as a church. You say, "Oh, I don't I'm not spiritual enough." I refer you to the first anointing. Is Jesus spiritual enough? I rather thank God is spiritual enough since he's the author of all spirits. You are anointed with an atoning covering where you are not the one being held to judge. You are standing in the stead. let me say it in a dignified manner no one cares about the pizza box is that plain enough nobody cares about the pizza box give me the pizza And here you are, you've been good all week long, haven't eaten any carbs, you're mad and starving and hungry, and someone brings in a pizza. You don't think to yourself, my God, that's the most beautiful pizza box I've ever seen in my life. You could care less about the pizza box. You want some pizza, somebody say word. Thank you. And if you beg, borrow, buy, steal, you're going to get you a piece of pizza. And then when you get it, you haven't had carbs a week, so you just rub it all over your face. It's so good. Like my little girl. I don't know if she ate the pizza or the pizza ate her. Get out of the business of deciding whether or not you're anointed. You're anointed. The first anointing is for you to quit focusing on you. He's worthy. Speak faith to somebody. You say, I don't know what to say. Tell him God can make a difference. Maybe. That ain't complicated. Speak it. If you can begin to believe you're anointed, that will be the first step to you being beyond whether or not you're good enough. Now, I'm going to settle that. I'm good enough. Well, wrong word. I'll never be good enough, but he's good enough. And I'm standing in his goodness. Secondly, you're anointed to be a worshiper. If you begin to live a life of worship, you'll find it very easy to step into the role of ministry. But let's be honest. If you spend all morning listening to hip hop, someone's gonna kill somebody because they were looking, they were thinking they were bad and they've got all the dollars. Or you spend all morning listening to country western, and that she broke up with him because he showed up with her girlfriend, and then he was drunk, and then and oh, by the way, I'm God's man. No, no, no. It's it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. This isn't even about sin and not sin. This is about what you are called to do. You are called to be a worshipper, and if your life is full of junk, how are you going to suddenly throw it in overdrive and be spiritual? That's just not how it works. Dearly beloved, I, I I plead with you here today. You need to separate the things that keep you from a life of worship because that is your ability to move smoothly just from the reality of ordinary life to the calling and mission of being God's man, God's woman. You're anointed to be a worshiper, and finally, you're anointed to represent God in God's fields. You are a harvester fields of the Lord. You have an anointing where separation is no longer a factor in your life. You are now with God. You are anointed to minister to God and you are anointed to minister to others. And church, hear me today. If you want to make a difference in your world, you need to let the anointing of God fill you because you're a vessel. That's all you ever will be. That's all human flesh ever can be. Organized emptiness. God's going to take that organized emptiness, and he's going to fill it with his presence, his anointing, and suddenly, everywhere you go, the world looks different, because you see the needs, you see through the eyes of God, I am praying that we would have a revival of Holy Ghost anointing in our lives, that we would begin to see how we are placed, how we are called we are prepared. God has an investment in you. Somebody say yes. I wish some of you would believe it. God has an investment in you. God wants to have revival in your world. God wants to have a breakthrough in your family. God has an investment in you. Let's all stand. Would you step out of the chair you're in right now? I'd like those of you who will to begin to make your way down here to the front. This is how we end our services here at First Church. We pray, we commit our hearts to God. I'd like all of you who have felt the, the drawing of the presence of the Lord upon you, I'd like you to take a, a, a little step of boldness here today. I'd like you to be... Hallelujah, hallelujah. I am, I am appealing to all of you. Whatever it takes in your life, for you to believe in God's anointing upon you. I'm appealing I'm pleading with you to do it. If you need to pray more to feel like you're more spiritual, if you need to spend more time worshiping so you can feel prepared, if you need to study the scripture so you can finally, I don't know, have some answers that you feel safe uh, and ready, whatever it takes I'm appealing with every one of you. We're the people who came to church on Sunday morning. Most of the city is not in church. Now, this is a very well-churched city. It's one of the most churched cities in America. But we're not even close. We're not even close to the population. Not even close. Every church in Charlotte would have to run thousands to have the population in church. Not even close. And yet you're here today. And this is why I appeal to you, whatever it takes for you to believe in God's hand upon you. If you need to prepare, if you need to study like Paul taught, if you need to pray as the whole scripture taught, teaches, this is why your world depends on your ability to to perceive the anointing of God on your life. Yes, God. Because if you don't perceive that, you'll always be stuck at the first anointing, which is whether or not I'm good enough to go to heaven. And that's the birth of self-centered religion. Just me in my house. Look, that's fine for what it is, but that's just the foundation. That's the first anointing. On the other side of am I saved is I am a worshiper. the other side of worship is I am a minister you see the beginning is I've been made whole by love divine now I am a worshiper on the other side of that is I am a minister your world depends on you believing in the anointing in your life and I deeply deeply believe that there is an anointing that is available to you it is scriptural it is promised you need to live it You need to claim it. You need to stand in the stead of the anointed one in your world. Can I have a big amen here today? And whatever it is that keeps you, I told the 9 a.m. service, I didn't put it. It's not in my notes, so I may not get this right. It was a moment, and then I'm trying to remember it, but... Uh, I, I had them do this. He, he turned to somebody and say, uh, if you are not... Praise God. Praise my son. My son. He wrote that down. He's going to use it next Sunday at another church, so I I understand. That's, I've been stealing this stuff for years and actually preach your secret if you steal it in Jesus name it's already under the blood if you feel like you're living beneath the anointing in your life in other words the anointing would rather you be up here at a level of confidence and spiritual effectiveness but you're settling to live in fear there's one of two reasons number one you remember number one what's the first one I forgot. I remember the second one. I forgot the first one too. Two, 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 two reasons. Either you're blind to it, or you're making bad choices. Yes, that's what I'm talking about, man. It's possible for us to not perceive the anointing in our life, we just don't see that we're anointed for a purpose say to someone, I'm going to pray for that. I want to believe with you. Let me tell you my testimony. You just don't perceive the anointing. And so I teach this message here today to get you to see the anointing in your life. Secondly, uh, if, if you have bad spiritual habits, you're always removing yourself from the role of the anointed because of bad spiritual habits. Like if you can't believe you're really saved and you can't forgive yourself, first of all, you're saying you're responsible for your salvation and not God. And you're misunderstanding the point that it's not about you, it's about Him. And although you're not good enough, He's good enough. Bad, bad spiritual habits will cause you cast away your confidence spiritually and you won't be the minister in your world. You won't be anointed in your world and your world is depending on you to be anointed. In Jesus. Lord, I'm praying that you would let us have an eye on the harvest field. And I'm praying that you would fill us with spiritual confidence, not simply because we think we're somebody. That is to miss the point. That is to be simplistic and even judgmental. Lord Jesus, we're doing it because we believe you have anointed us for cause. In our flesh, there's only uh, emptiness. Yet you turned that emptiness into a vessel that you could fill with anointing. Let us make a difference in our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Put your hands together. Give God one more shout of praise. Yes, Lord. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four stars. By doing so, you will help others find it and also bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times and church ministries, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, text GIVE. 704-445-5353 We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.